This is It Was a Thing on TV. Punisher! Control! Hey, before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 328, submission number 399, E-R, that's E-slash-R. Oh, good, because I was thinking you were talking about that other E-R, because I'm wondering... No, no, not the other E-R. Oh. E-slash-R aired on the CBS television network from September 16th, 1984 to February 27th, 1985. For 22 episodes. Here's that sexy Lou Rawls theme music. Yeah. I've got a real emergency here. in Madison, Wisconsin, artistic director Stuart Gordon and his wife Carolyn Purdy Gordon founded the Organic Theater Company. Its first play was a production of Richard III, but it was beleaguered by harassment from local officials, causing the production to be moved to three different venues before closing. Two years after its founding, at the invitation of one Paul Sills, the theater company moved to Chicago, where Sills helped the theater find a home in the Holy Covenant Church, where they produced original adaptations of such fair as George Orwell's Animal Farm, Homer's Odyssey, and the David Mamet play Sexual Perversity in Chicago. That play, of course, was the basis of the 1986 feel-good film about last night. But another production that the Organic Theater Company did was a play by Zaid Farid, Richard Byer, Stuart Gordon, Gary Houston, Carolyn Purdy Gordon, Tom Tolles, Bruce Young, and Dr. Ronald Berman called ER, Emergency Room. It was basically a slice of life in an emergency room setting. Think ER the 1994-95 drama meets The Office, only with a laugh track. That play would form the basis of this show on CBS. Developed by two of the greatest comedy writers to ever live, Bernie Ornstein and Saul Turtletaub. They even managed to take two of the cast members from the original play and give them roles 
their own roles in this series. So it looked like everything was lined up for it to succeed. But by the end of February, it was gone. So what happened? Well, before we answer that question, let's talk about what this show is about. Much like the play, the setting is the fictional Clark Street Hospital, namely their emergency room. And the stories are centered upon the happenings in that ER and the lives of the doctors, nurses, and other medical staff who work there including Dr. Howard Scheinfeld, a twice-divorced ear, nose, and throat specialist, who moonlights at the hospital to keep up with his alimony payments. Among his colleagues, potential romantic interest Dr. Eve Sheridan, a gaggle of nurses, medics, and techs, and the occasional police officer. Hilarity ensues. Yeah, basically, hilarity ensues. Playing the role of Howard Scheinfield is Elliot Gould, who is by now one of the most in-demand, one of the most legendary actors of stage, screen, and television, having been in... Oh, just was... about everything Elliot Gould's been in. He was in the films Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice and M.A.S.H. Not yeah. the TV series M.A.S.H., the film M.A.S.H. The movie M.A.S.H. And he was the original Trapper John in the movie MASH. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't on Trapper John MD, isn't that supposed to be a sequel to the movie and not the show? That is correct. Legally, Trapper John MD is a sequel to the movie MASH, not the TV show. And we should mention who else was in the movie MASH? John Shuck. Oh, shuck. And true fact, he actually delivered the first uncensored F-bomb in a theatrical release. It, it was mentioned on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast when John Chuck was a guest. Greg, do you have something to add? I can take a good guess what that was. Go for it. Starfleet regulations, that's being outrageous. Oh, no. I thought you were going to say... Starfleet f***ing regulations as outrageous. <laughs> the placement's very important there, Greg. It is true. The placement is very important. But yeah, he said the first F-bomb in a uh, theatrical release movie. Yeah. Maybe in any movie, but yeah. But of course, let's not forget, Elliot Gould was also Ross's dad on Friends. And by extension, Monica's dad on Friends. That's right. So, you know what that means since we mentioned Courtney Cox. Courtney, Sing it, Chico. Courtney Cox, I love you. You're so hot on that show. Courtney Cox, I love you. Yeah. You're so hot on that show. But, oh, getting to the rest of the cast. Oh. Playing Nurse Joan Thor. Oh, God, Chico. This is another great name. Big name. Conchata Beryl. Oh, yeah. She's the charge nurse in the ER. She's friends with Howard and worries about her. She has a tough exterior, but a heart of gold. So I have to ask, is this typecasting? Yeah, pretty much. 
<laughs> this has been Is This Typecasting? By the way, her nephew, Mark Ace Colmar, is a medic and is hired to work in the ER as a tech. That nephew, Mark Ace Colmar, is played by George Clooney. Never heard of him. No. no oh, wait, no. hold on a second. Now it's coming back to me. Is he related to that guy from the Money Maze? George Clooney is Nick Clooney's son. Rosemary Clooney's aunt, Miguel Ferrer's cousin, Betty Clooney's aunt, and Tessa Ferrer's cousin. That's some family tree, huh? Yep. Playing the role of Eve Sheridan, another doctor in the ER, and Howard's on-again, off-again love interest, would be Mary McDonnell, who was actually on the other ER with George Clooney. Yeah, that's what I found out while I was searching Mary McDonnell. Because, of course, as we all know, Mary McDonnell's most notable role, of course, would be in the revived version of Battlestar Galactica in the 2000s, where she played President Laura Roslin on the revived Battlestar Galactica on sci-fi. Yep, and after that, she would play Captain, later Commander Sharon Raider, on 105 episodes of TNT's Major Crimes. If you are a big fan of Veronica Mars, she played in the reboot, so, yeah. Oh, that's not the only person who was on Veronica Mars on this show. Another nurse in the ER, Julie Williams, was played by Lynn Moody. She was just one of those solid actors in the 70s and 80s who was in That's My Mama, Roots, Roots the Next Generation, and Knott's Landing. Her last role was as Dr. Twineman in Mrs. Washington Goes to Smith. Whatever that is. And fun fact about uh, Nurse Julie, her aunt and uncle, and we see this in the one-hour pilot that aired on CBS, are George and Louise Jefferson. What? (laughs) George and Louise Jefferson are the aunt and uncle of Nurse Julie. So by extension, this is in the All in the Family universe. And by extension of that, this is in the Tommy Westfall universe. Because George and Louise Jefferson were also in an episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and we're not going to go over that again. Because it's way too complex. But yeah, watch the... (laughs) I was going to talk about the time where Sherman Helmsley was on Family Matters and he brought that his girlfriend yeah, that who, who Carl recognized was a stripper at the Boom Boom Room. Oh no. <laughs> Not the Boom Boom Room. That's the return of the Boom Boom Room. Yay! And then, and then Carl tried to break it to him and he's like, I know that. I was going to invite you and Harriet to the show when she was in. And I'm like, why would Harriet Winslow be into this? What made Sherman Helmsley think that Harriet Winslow would be into Don't going to him. a strip club? He doesn't know. Don't tell him he doesn't know. 
Her roommate, Julie Williams's roommate, Maria Amardo, is the Filipino-American receptionist in the ER, known for strict enforcement of the white line rule. Stay back of the white line. That's the rule. And she is played by one of the two actors who actually revives her role from the play to the series, and that would be Shuko Akune. She was actually the voice of Jinx on G.I. Joe the movie. You know, the one where Duke was supposed to die, but didn't. Yeah, but it also had Sergeant Slaughter in it. But it also had Sergeant Slaughter in it. I wish he was training Rambo Greg Gagne in that movie, but no. Uh, sorry. And she would be dating Officer Fred Burdock, who is played by another actor who's reprising his role from the play, Bruce Young. Young is best known for his role as Captain Simon Banks on the UPN science fiction police drama, The Sentinel. But if you remember Hot Shots in 1991, he played Red Herring. And I'm the only one who remembers Hot Shots in 1991. Okay. No. I'm more of a Hot Shots Port Duh guy. Well, I remember it. I, I'm more familiar with Hot Shots Port Duh, but yeah. I'm surprised they didn't make a third movie in the Hot Shots entry. But anyway. Oh, oh yeah, especially later when Charlie Sheen and John Cryer had two and a half men. Right. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Officer Burdock is the beat cop in the area where Clark Street Hospital is located. Marriage isn't in the cards with Maria due to Maria's fear of divorce. And rounding out the cast is Nurse Corey Smith, played by Corinne Borer, who we're also going to talk about next year. She's a pediatric nurse who comes to help when the ER gets too busy. She's in love with Howard, who only sees her as a colleague due to his being burned by two divorces. By the way, Corinne Borer... She was Winnie Goodwin in Free Spirit, which we will talk about sometime next year. But she was Veronica Mars's mother on Veronica Mars. But not only that, she was in Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. With Michael Winslow, who we talked about in the last episode. That's right. I only bring this up because I like bringing up Michael Winslow. But, oh, there was a touching scene with her and Bobcat Goldfleet in Police Academy 4 where, oh, poor Zed, his Mickey Mouse watch died. Oh, um, I think I better be going. Mickey! He's dead! He killed him! Oh, I'm sure the Academy will pay for it. What about the sentimental value? This is like a family heirloom here. This is the last thing I ever stole before joining the Academy. What the hell is this? Cadets in heat? No, we were just like talking. Oh, we're just like a Tonka somewhere else. But that is your regular and semi-regular cast, and we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of everybody who's been in the ER. I mean, this was basically Barney Miller in the medical field. Unfortunately, it did not last as long as Barney Miller did. Sorry, it just didn't. So let's go over these episodes, shall we? 
we start, as we always do, with the pilot. Part 1. Dr. Howard Scheinfield is the charismatic head physician at the Clark Street Emergency Room in Chicago. Having recently finalized his second divorce, Dr. Scheinfield is more than willing to pull a 48-hour shift instead of cooling his heels at home. The Clark Street staff welcomes their new no-nonsense boss, Dr. E. Sheridan. Her strict policy changes clash with Dr. Scheinfeld's laid-back style, and the two must learn to work together peaceably. Meanwhile, George Jefferson himself visits the hospital to see his niece nurse, Julie Williams. Here's the thing I don't get. George Jefferson, if I'm not mistaken, lives in New York City, yeah? Yes. Maybe he's on vacation. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, if it would make sense if he was on vacation in Chicago. And one of the names in this episode is somebody that we've talked quite fondly about in the past, playing Dr. Thomas Esquivel, Luis Avalos. Oh, yeah. Talked about him in Condo. But we're also going to talk about him next year because he was on I Had Three Wives. Spoiler, Victor Garber had three wives. Oh, and by no means is Luis Avalos the only name among the guests in this episode. This episode has a lot of guests. Uh, I'm just taking a look at IMDb. Would you say there's about 20 names that are guests on this episode? Yeah, just about. Oh, it had all all the guest stars. Well, there's only a couple of names I'm picking out here uh, who who are people we've talked about in the past or uh, may talk about in the future. In this episode playing Mrs. Summers is Beverly Sanders. Well, we're going to talk about her next year for sure. Because she was in Lots of Luck. Oh, yeah. Lots of Luck. And among shows that we've talked uh, about her on, she was on an episode of, and this is just a few weeks old, The McLean Stevenson Show. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Man, that was horrible. Oh, but yes. Oh, by the way, we didn't even mention that uh, the role of Eve Sheridan was actually played by a different actress in the pilot. Was played by Marcia Strasman. Oh, Emily Cotter. Yeah, Mrs. Zelinsky from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So I guess she would count as a guest star of sorts. And then you have part two of the pilot, where Doctor Sheridan tries to save a patient from himself when he leaves the hospital despite having chest pains. The arrival of a stabbing victim shakes up the ER, and Dr. Scheinfeld believes their John Doe is a lost cause. In a race against the clock, Dr. Sheridan desperately tries to save their patient in time for the surgical team to arrive. So, in this pilot, you see that there's going to be a lot of laughs, but at the same time, there's going to be a lot of gravitas as well. I mean, anything that happens... In this ER, you're going to see happen in an ER. I know this from personal experience, having worked with uh, ER staff in my uh, line of profession. Episode 3, The Sister. 
Dr. Sheridan's sister Karen is in town to help decide if their father should be put in a nursing home. Howard tries his hardest to put the moves on Karen, but Eve warns him to stay away. Meanwhile, an unconscious young boy is brought into the ER, and the staff suspects child abuse. Couple of big names in this episode playing Karen Sheridan is Anne Shadeen, of course, the mother on Elf. And playing the role of the boyfriend is Dennis Franz. He would have been on Hill Street Blues at this time, wouldn't he? He would be Bunce. Yes, Bunce. We can forget Bunce. And of course, starting from this episode forward, Mary McDonald plays the role of Dr. Sheridan. So, Mary McDonald and Anne Shadeen as sisters. Episode 4, My Way. Medical and moral ethics come into question when a cancer patient in severe pain asks Dr. Scheinfeld to let him die. Eve discovers that a patient is transgender, and Nurse Thor's marital troubles reach a breaking point. We do have one name in this episode playing Evo, a name we've mentioned quite a bit here, maybe making a case for the Hall of Fame, Henry Pollock II. Oh, yes, Henry Pollock II. Of course, we talked about him on When Things Were Rotten. And you know, where else have we seen him? We've seen him plenty of places. Webster, obviously. Eventual cover Double Talk. Eventual. We have to talk about that piece of you-know-what. Hey, it was a clever game. It was a piece of junk. I liked it. Playing the role of Canon Eddie Kostalski, Harvey Vernon. We talked about him before. He played Deputy DeWitt on Carter Country. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Episode 5, Son of Scheinfeld. Dr. Sheridan is put in an awkward position when the hospital administrator tells her to fire Howard in order to cut costs. Howard's son, David, turns up in the emergency room with blue hair and a friend unconscious from a drug overdose. While handling a nasty motorcycle accident involving a teen boy, Howard reevaluates his relationship with his wayward son. But playing the role of David, okay? Jonathan Silverman. Didn't he, he spend the weekend at Bernie's? Oh, did he? Did he indeed? Him and Andrew McCarthy, that was the best weekend of their lives. Until Weekend at Bernie's 2. Oh, until Weekend at Bernie's 2, where somehow some voodoo guys like cast the wrong spell, and now Bernie can come to life whenever music is playing. And he just dances. What a great movie Weekend at Bernie's 2 was. They say a sequel can't top the original. Well, you know what? I show them Weekend at Bernie's 2. Hey, a couple more names in this episode. Playing an ambulance driver is Jeff Doucette. We have talked about him in the past because he was on After Mash 
and domestic life. So 1984 is a busy year for him. Oh, yeah. But hold on, Mike. Say it because I I think I know what you're going to go for. You know, we played Beth in this episode. I think I do. Janet Carroll. And we talked about Janet Carroll back in Double Dare 85. But also, Mike, she was Gary unmarried with children. She owned Gary's shoes. Yes, she did. And that wasn't even the name I was going to mention. Oh? Oh, yeah. Playing Mrs. Stein in this episode? Florence Hallop? She was the second bailiff on Night Court besides Bull. Oh, she the second? Yeah, she replaced Selma Diamond, but then when she passed, she got replaced by Marsha Warfield. Oh, so she was the second bailiff who died. Yeah, the second bailiff who died. Yes, it's one of those cases of reality writes the script because I remember that very special episode where Bull was dealing with uh, working with Marshall Warfield's character, but in the back of his mind, he's still thinking about Salba and Florence. Yeah, that mm. was a very special episode. How can you uh, uh, cover uh, it, Dash? And actually, last night. I was watching a little bit of Buzzer because, you know, who doesn't? And she was on a week of Super Password in 1986, maybe about six months before she died. She was on with Richard Mall. Oh, that's terrific. You had both bailiffs on, and she actually won a big jackpot with somebody last night. I think it was nice. like $25,000. Oh, that's great. Good password player, yes. Great password player. What's this good crap? Episode 6. Save the last dance for me. Dr. Scheinfeld's second ex-wife, Philip, tries to make amends when she suspects she is pregnant. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Eve struggles with personal problems of her own when her devotion to the job gets in the way of an important dinner date with her boyfriend, Robert. Boyfriend Robert? Played by Don Galloway. With, I want to say we talked about him before. Well, if we haven't, we're going to. Because he hosted the Guinness game. Oh, yep, we did. He was in the pilot for Auto Man. Not the only name in this episode, though. Got a couple nope. other big names. Not even close. Playing Randy Beal in this episode is David Faustino. You just talked about uh, Janet Carroll and Married with Children, Greg, as Gary? Oh, yeah. David Faustino was Bud Bundy. Oh, no, duh. But hey, Mike, this is the second reference to I Had Three Wives because he was Victor Garver's son on I Had Three Wives. We're not even oh done with the gosh. names. We're not even oh, done. Oh, my gosh. All we're right. Not, we're not even done. Uh, oh, no, we're not even done. Chico? Uh, Playing a character named Mr. Downey. One of the patron saints of this podcast are making his case for Hall of Fame, Stanley Brock. A.K.A. Uncle Harvey from UHF. Oh, yeah, we talked about him in uh, freaking uh, What's Alan Watching? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And hey, how about one more name, as if we haven't had enough in this episode. Playing Richard the Orderly, William G. Schilling. 
He was the principal on head of the class. That's right. He was on the original head of the class. Playing the role of Phyllis, the second ex-wife, would be Patch McKenzie, who is a notable actress and producer who was fairly active from the 70s up until 2008 when she did something called Man in the Mirror. And playing Mr. Beale is Michael Cutt, who was actually the father on California Dreams. At least during the first season. When, you know, the kids had parents and whatnot. Episode 7. Say it ain't so. Eve feels personally responsible when a patient unexpectedly dies after she promised his family that he would survive. Dr. Scheinfield contemplates what it might be like to become a father again as he waits for his ex-wife Phyllis to give him the results of her pregnancy test. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Patch McKenzie returns as Phyllis, of course. But, guys, a couple of names here. Uh, playing Mrs. Pavlik, Erica Yeoen, who we talked about on the famous Teddy Z episode. That's right! Maybe making a case for the Hall of Fame. Oh, you want to talk about a case for the Hall of Fame? Well, no, before you make that case, we really talked about her not that long ago because she was on two episodes of Fish. Yes, Fish! Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, you want to talk about a Hall of Fame case? We were just talking about Weekends at Bernie's, Greg. Oh, wait! I know where this is going. Say it! Play the role of Frank is Bernie himself, Terry Kaiser. Yes, Terry Kaiser. He was also in the famous Teddy C. We're working through everything. We're working through every show we've covered on this podcast. Playing a character named Michael Alexander is Bruce Solomon, who was in future entry A Year in the Life. And I can't believe this is not on the list, and I don't see where it should be, but... He played Sergeant Foley on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Well, I don't think we're going to do Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. But, I mean, America Tonight, Fernwood Tonight, we'll definitely do. Oh, definitely. And uh, rounding out the names that we recognize, playing the role of Pasha, Troy Slayton. You remember him most as Jerry Steiner on Parker Lewis Can't Lose. I remember him from that, and as Michael Lacey on Cagney and Lacey, and as Amp on the hyper-agent Gridman adaptation, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, with Matthew Lawrence. Episode 8, Growing Pains. Rumor has it that Dr. Scheinfeld is planning to resign his job at the ER in order to accept a cushy position at a business firm. Dr. Sheridan is dismayed because she wants to hire Howard as their full-time specialist, even though she's required to interview other applicants. Meanwhile, the staff has their work cut out for them when a mentally ill patient attempts suicide and a young boy is brought in with a collapsed lung. Uh, Louis Avalos returns as Dr. Esquivel, and William G. Schilling returns as Richard the Orderly, and Jeff Doucette returns as a paramedic, but now we also have, as Mr. Hunter, Dennis Berkeley. 
from Sanford and select episodes of King yeah. of the Hill. Yeah, we talked about him in Sanford, but also where people may best know him from, he was on, I believe, two of the last three episodes, the three-part story on Maud when she ran for Congress and actually got uh, uh, was voted in. He played her aide. And then we would have uh, playing Daniel Lucas, a guy by the name of Stephen Peterman, who is not much of an actor, but he would go on to be one of the executive producers of Murphy Brown. So, pretty stacked lineup there. Episode 9. All's Well That Ends. Howard decides to sell his old practice, but has a difficult time finding the right person to trust with his former patients. The emergency room is on high alert, but the bomb squad is called in to help remove an exploding bullet from a woman's arm. We have actual playwright playing Mrs. Dobbs, Carolyn Purdy Gordon, and playing Dr. Klimaszewski, another actual playwright, Richard Fire. They like to work in everybody who wrote the play that this show is based on, it seems. Which I respect. And playing Mr. Dobbs is Sam Anderson, who is best known, or I should say will be best known, as Raymond Sackler in the upcoming made-for-TV miniseries Painkiller. With uh, Uzo Aduba from Orange is the New Black and Matthew Broderick from everything else. And playing a role as Cheryl is Amy Linker, who you would know as the lady who is not Sarah Jessica Parker in Square Pegs. Episode 10, Only a Nurse. Julie tries to convince Nurse Thor not to quit her job after Dr. Sheridan refuses to allow the head nurse to make minor medical decisions. Howard ends up in over his head when Nurse Corey admits she's in love with him. Meanwhile, the staff suspects a sick toddler in the ER might be the victim of a kidnapping. One guest star in this episode, playing the role of Mr. Williams, is Bill Irwin, and he was in a bunch of movies and TV shows over the years. His most notable role was as Arthur Beale in the 1980 movie Somewhere in Time. He was also in previous entry Voyagers, but one notable role he played was he was in two episodes of Seinfeld in 1993 as the character of Sidney Fields in The Old Man and, of course, The Pilot, where he appeared reprising his role as Sidney Fields' uncredited. Episode 11, Sentimental Journey. Dr. Scheinfeld starts a workout regimen after he begins dating a 23-year-old aerobics instructor, because those would be a dime a dozen in 1984. The staff can't help themselves from making fun of Howard for dating a woman so much younger than him. However, Eve can't help from flirting with a charismatic yet much older patient named Paolo when he admits his attraction to her. Tensions run high in the ER when Fred is injured while on duty and Thor finds a baby abandoned in the hospital lobby. Ooh, big name here. Really big name. You ready for this? Playing the role of Paolo Fuentes, the much older person who can't help but be smitten over Eve, 
Alejandro Rey, a.k.a. Carlos Ramirez from The Flying Nun. Oh, The Flying Nun with Sally Field. And of course, we talked about him in We've Got It Made. He played the guy that Mickey got married to in the two-parter, Mickey Gets Married. Oh, jeez, I forgot about that. How could you forget about... It's been two and a half years since we covered it. It's Terry freaking Copley, for Christ's sake. This... Yeah, she'll be one of the three wives on I Had Three Wives. <laughs> oh, one, we have one of the three wives at America's 80s ass. Can we get any more references to I Had Three Wives in this episode, please? We've got three thus far. We just need to find the third wife. That's all we need to do. That'll fill the bingo card, okay. Okay. Episode 12, Mr. Fix-It. Strange events plague the ER during a full moon. I I know this is a thing. I can tell you right now, this is a thing that happens. Dr. Scheinfeld's diagnosis of an injured famous basketball star could be the difference between winning or losing a big upcoming game. Initially, Howard's father, Morris, pays a visit, and Maria awaits a reunion with her own father, whom she hasn't seen since she was a baby. Playing the role of Donald Haynes, the basketball player who is about to be operated on, Kevin Peter Hall. We all remember him from Misfits of Science. But also, Harry from Harry and the Hendersons and the Predator in Predator. And really, when you look at Kevin Peter Hall, yeah, obviously. Hard to miss him. Oh, speaking of Misfits of Science, we have another person from Misfits of Science on this episode, playing Marvin Brock, Max Wright. So we had Mrs. Tanner earlier, and now we have Willie Tanner. We have yeah. Kate Tanner we have both the Tanner episode. parents. We have yeah. Kate Tanner in an early episode, and now we have Willie Tanner. Two more names in this episode, two oh. more big names. Okay. Uh, playing the role of Rudy would be Ron Masak, who we recently lost. And playing the role of an Englishman, a true Englishman, Christopher Hewitt. Oh, this isn't typecasting at all. Christopher Hewitt as an Englishman. This must have been right when he was doing, like, those ads for Commodore. Oh, that's right. Christopher Hewitt did ads for Commodore. I think those are what got him the role as Mr. Belvedere. I think. Don't quote me. Episode 13. A Cold Night in Chicago. Eve suspects an extremely sick little boy might have meningitis, but his family resists medical treatment because it is against their religion. This is a true moral and ethical quandary. Dr. Scheinfeld presses to treat him regardless, but Eve fears the hospital could be sued. On top of it all, Howard visits with an old army buddy whose life he saved in Vietnam, and Nurse Thor receives flowers from a secret admirer. Playing Arnie Popkin, Louis Arquette? Well, we also did talk about him in the past. Yep. Because he was on an episode of Get a Life. But also, hold on, guys. Isn't he on Hulk Hogan's Rocket Wrestling? What yes, happened? he was. He was Superfly Jimmy Snooker. Oh, yes. And also, let's not forget, 
David is going to be a future WCW World Heavyweight Champion. <laughs> and he'll have the belt on an episode of Celebrity Family Feud. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. and also, I think where we most recently talked about him, he was on an episode of 10 Speed and Brown Shoe. Oh, yes. We have actually somebody we talked about on this show and in a live broadcast. We talked about uh, Carl Steven, who played young Spock in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. But also, he was in Fluffy Dogs. He was in Fluffy Dogs. Well, remember, they're not dogs. They're they fluffies. In- they're fluffies. They are interdimensional travelers. They're not dogs, okay? They don't like it when you call them dogs. Don't call them dogs. He's the little boy who has meningitis and sadly no longer with us. Yes. And playing a couple of his relations, Peter Palmer, who also is no longer with us, but played Little Abner in the movie Little Abner. Oh. And his wife, Gail Parker, Kay Callen, Superman's mama. Yes. Another person we talked about not that long ago. It's time for a little break. We'll be back in a few minutes with the rest of the ER episode. Tuesday. There are two bears loose in the terminal. Yogi Bear, Boo Boo, and all their friends turn the town upside down with a Christmas celebration. Then. Wow, she's beautiful. The Muppet Babies take off to protect the universe. We've got to save Princess Piggy. It's the Muppet Babies and a Yogi Bear Christmas Tuesday. CBS Sports Break, sponsored by Midas Muffer and Break Shops. Good evening. In the NFL today, the Bronco defense led Denver to the AFC West Championship with a 31-14 victory over Seattle. The Seahawks will meet the Raiders in the wildcard game next weekend. Now also today, the New Orleans Saints upset the New York Giants 10-3, and in key matchups tomorrow, St. Louis visits Washington with the NFC East title on the line. The Redskins, though, are assured of a playoff spot. The AFC Central crown is also up for grabs. Cincinnati must win against Buffalo and hope that Pittsburgh loses to the Raiders. Should the Steelers win, they would take the division. I'll have more after this. A free inspection at Midas will tell you if your brakes need fixing. More you can find out for yourself, which can cost more. In college basketball, Patrick Ewing scored 15 points, grabbed 15 rebounds, and was not hurt after that collision with the backboard. He led top-ranked Georgetown over number two DePaul by 20 points. For CBS Sports Break, I'm Brent Musburger. This is CBS. It's the season to give with style and save at Sears. Get in the gift-giving spirit with a luxurious fleece or pile robe, now just $22.99 in your choice of wrap or zipper styles. Or warm up the holidays with these great gifts at only $11.99 each. Choose from cozy cotton sweaters, soft velour tops, and colorful blouses. They're on everyone's wish list. So hurry and wrap up a beautiful Christmas. It's more for your life. 
Monday on Scarecrow and Mrs. King, the enemy infiltrates the agency. I'm willing to be the bait. But they're out to eliminate Amanda. Then Allie and her ex-husband compete for Chip's affection. He couldn't just pick them up. He had to send in the clouds. Kate and Allie. And a new heart, Dick is blown over by an overzealous fan. They gotta be me. Monday. Episode 14. Both sides now. Remember we were talking about being afraid of being sued a couple of episodes ago? Howard's being sued for malpractice, but is doubtful about calling Dr. Sheridan as a character witness when she refuses to shade the truth a little and her store's nephew is hired as the emergency room's new EMT. Of course, this would be the episode that would see Ace join the cast. And also in this episode, as Jack, John Shuck. Starfleet regulations, that's outrageous. (laughs) But guys, playing a patient in this episode, that's his role. Patient. He's credited as Dan Barrows. But guys... We best know him as Beans Morocco. Oh, we haven't talked about Beans Morocco in ages. We haven't talked about him since that episode of Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction, where Rip Taylor showed up. (laughs) I was waiting to talk more about Beans Morocco. Oh, I was going back even further. I forgot we talked about him there. We we talked about him in Voyagers and the Powers of Matthew Starr. And now he's in ER. Yay! He's making his case for the hall. He's a legend. He is. Just because his name is Beans Morocco. One more name. We'll, we'll get off the Beans Morocco track here. Playing Laura in this episode is Candy Azara. We've talked about her plenty. Oh, yes. She was in 10 Speed and Brown Shoe. Oh, yes. She was in, oh, I, I don't want to say it. It's like Calling uh, Beetlejuice, saying his name three times. She was in an episode of Turnabout. With John Shuck. Starfleet regulations, that's outrageous. (laughs) Damn, I'm going to need that censor button. She was also in an episode of O'Hara. So needless to say, we've talked about uh, Candy Azara quite a bit. Quite a bit. Our next episode, The Storm. A blizzard strands the staff at the hospital overnight. When Julie's replacement can't make it in, she refuses to work overtime and miss a date with her new boyfriend. Dr. Sheridan fires her for leaving the ER understaffed. Howard's daughter Jenny takes refuge at the hospital because she's upset that her mother is getting remarried. He agrees to think about letting Jenny move in with him. And playing the role of Jenny Scheinfeld... Somebody we've both seen and heard a lot from over the years, Pamela Adlon. Of course, she's been seen on Better Things, and she's been heard as the voice of Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. Bobby! Playing herself in this episode, MTV VJ Martha Quinn. Yeah, because Martha Quinn had to be on the show because Nina Blackwood was busy with Jason Bateman on It's Your Move. So what were Alan Hunter and Mark Goodman doing at this time? Just resting on their laurels, waiting for the phone to ring? Mark Goodman was waiting 10 years for Illinois Instant Riches, silly. And Alan Hunter 
was waiting. Alan Hunter years. was still at wait, wait, wait. Alan Hunter was still at MTV. He was busy yeah. until like the early nineties. So yeah, he was occupied. He's you know what? He is still occupied. He is one of the best DJs on eighties on eight. Thank you very much. Oh yes. Every time I listen to eighties on eight, he's on there, and it's like he's doing a fantastic job on eighties on eight. And as he always says, peace and progress. Episode 16, Enter Romance. Howard's first wife, Sheila, meets with him and Jenny in order to make the final decision about where Jenny is going to live. The ER reluctantly welcomes an obnoxious new administrator named Howard Stickley. His frequently inappropriate comments and propositioning of female employees causes Dr. Sheraton to threaten him to report him? Threaten to report him? What? Uh-oh. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But guys, playing Howard Stickley. Okay. Guys. Jason Alexander. The guy who was in the McDLT commercial? That's right, the guy who was in the McDLT commercial. Yep, he's known for the McDLT commercial. And nothing else. Well, maybe Dunstan checks in, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, one more name, guys. This one's a biggie. Playing Sheila Seinfeld, the one and only Karen Black. Oh, yeah. Karen Black? Yes, Greg. That Karen Black from Airport 75. But we also talked about her in... The 1978 Science Fiction Film Awards, because she was the co-host with William Shatner. That would be a year after her star turn. Yes, it was a star turn in Capricorn 1. That's right, with OJ! And Elliot Gould! Yes, (laughs) Elliot Gould was in Capricorn 1! I forgot about that! What does it say about me that I remember OJ in Capricorn 1, but not Elliot Gould? Oh, and James Rowland was in Capricorn 1, too. And Sam Waterston? And Sam Waterston, yeah. And, and Telly Savalas? And David Doyle? And David Huddleston and Hal Holbrook? Wow. So, Peter I just got everybody in this cast. Yep. Anybody says that the moon landing was fake, you have my permission to say, no, sir, you're thinking of Capricorn 1. They won't get it, but you'll get a laugh out of it. Episode 17. Brotherly Love. The staff relaxes at Houlihan's, a local hangout near the hospital. Howard is looking forward to catching up with his younger brother, Sam, but becomes jealous when Sam develops a romantic interest in Dr. Sheridan, who ace as on a date in the previous episode. After much teasing from the staff, Eve has to set the record straight with Howard. Julie and Maria struggle to get along now that they've become roommates in order to save money. Playing Pete the bartender. Charlie Brill. The guy who did your hair on the super train. Oh, yeah. And hung out with Mitzi McCall for some reason. I don't know why. I just don't know. Well, also, don't forget, he played the boss, the, the not necessarily the police chief or the lieutenant, whoever it was, 
on silk stockings. <laughs> also, in this episode, this is a different character than he played earlier. And really, given the name, it's a little racist, I think, at least in 2022 terms. Henry Pollock II played Dr. Ravi Raja. Yeah, there's nothing controversial about that, except where the we have a whole uh, whitewashing of a brown-based character. But aside from that, nothing controversial about that. Oh, and playing Kim in this episode, Felice Schachter. In one of her many, 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 many roles coming out of season one of The Facts of Life. Episode 18. I raise you. Forced to work on a weekend, Howard moves a Saturday night poker game into the ER lounge. That sounds familiar. Dr. Sheridan disproves, but relents when Howard promises to keep it quiet. Brad collapses during the game and finds out he has high blood pressure. Later, Howard hits the roof when Jenny tells him that My Place Ace asked her out. <laughs> but Jenny ends up crushed when she finds out that she mistook Ace's invitation to a concert for a date. I mean, I can understand that. It's George freaking Clooney. Charlie Brill's back on this episode, but he's not playing a bartender. He's actually playing a character named Charlie now. Oh. But there's one other name I want to mention. Playing Shelly in this episode is Lou Mulford. She was a model on Sale of the Century. Yep. Episode 19, Merry Wives of Scheinfeld, Part 1. Dr. Scheinfeld is featured in the newspapers when word gets around that he's dating a wealthy socialite named Bitsy Carmichael. When both of his ex-wives arrive at the hospital to speak with him, oh boy, Howard has to juggle their complaints with a busy night in the emergency room. Painters work on fixing up the ER, which is a problem for Dr. Sheridan because she's allergic to paint. And Nurse Thor turns to a specialist because of a serious concern about her health. That concern ends up being, and I know this because it is written in Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, that she's diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease, which is pretty serious stuff. Playing the role of Patrick is George DeCenzo, who I believe we talked about earlier in this podcast. He plays Hordak in He-Man and She-Ra, a Christmas special. Oh, great. You know what that means? That gives me another excuse for the second straight week to mention the dildo copter. Oh, gee. I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. Because he also plays Captain Lou in Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Oh, that's terrific. Second straight week we've mentioned Captain Lou. His grandpappy knows where the treasure is. That's right. Episode 20, part two. The entire staff offers their support to Nurse Thor after she receives frightening news about her health. Sheila and Phyllis, Howard's ex-wives, suspect that Dr. Sheridan and Howard might have feelings for each other, you think? Both doctors deny it, but that doesn't stop the staff from teasing him. And two wounded firefighters and a young man high on LSD are brought in for care. And here we see the first instance of Bitsy Carmichael, as played by Angel Tompkins. At least the first meaningful instance of Bitsy Carmichael. 
Episode 21. All tied up. Arguments erupt in the ER when Eve loses her life savings on a joint investment she made with Howard, and Maria becomes jealous that Fred asks Julie to attend a banquet with him. Everything gets put into perspective when two thieves hold the staff at gunpoint. Oh, we got a name here. Playing, I guess who I perceive as one of the two bank robbers? William Zabka. Second straight episode we mentioned William Zabka. And biggest heel face turn in all of cinema slash streaming television. Yeah. Well, what do you have to say for that, Audrey Griswold number two? God, I miss Jack. Indeed, Audrey. We all miss Jack. Well, there is a bigger name in this episode. Playing Mr. Halbrook? Richard Klein. Oh, yeah, Richard Klein. Yeah, uh, he and Jack go to the Regal Beagle. Yeah, but also, let us not forget, he was Chaz's dad in Second Chance 1987. Yep. I just wanted to have an excuse to mention Second Chance 1987. Any excuse to mention Second Chance in 1987. So, Greg, you had to get your Second Chance reference in? Regarding Richard Klein? Well, I'm going to give you my Married with Children reference for Richard Klein. He played Flint Guccione on one episode of Married with Children, the episode where Griff and Al win tickets to the Olympics. Nice. Yeah, Flint Guccione, as you can guess, is a combination of Bob Guccione and Larry Flint. And yes, he was a, a adult magazine publisher. <laughs> and uh, some relation to him is uh, Jane Holbrook, played by Susan Krebs, who you remember, uh, if you're a big fan of Family Matters, as Mrs. Steuben, the drama teacher slash home ec teacher slash, well, she pretty much teaches everything. She's yeah, but- basically taking every teaching job to get rid of Steve Urkel. Yeah. Why? Why do they have to discriminate against Steve Urkel? Just cause because he's... he's Steve Urkel. Look, just because he's the smartest guy in the school, and sure, he gets into a lot of accidents, doesn't mean you have to do that to him. Perhaps the smartest person in Chicago. Who knows? I got a question. Do you think Sherman Helmsley invited Steve Urkel to the <laughs> Boom Boom Room? Probably. And the final episode, A Change in Policy. Dr. Scheinfeld starts seeing private patients while at the ER as a favor for a colleague. When Stickley finds out, he offers Howard an ultimatum. Falsify Stickley's personal health form or get fired. The news that her close friend Lois is pregnant intensifies Eve's desire to have a baby of her own. And Eve makes some serious decisions about the future including her relationship with Howard. So it seems like this episode is tying up all the loose ends just in case it does not get renewed. There's two names in this episode. The first, playing Lois, is Anne Lockhart. We've talked about her plenty of times in the past. Yeah, Uh, isn't that June's daughter? Well, well, June's daughter, but also 
She was on Battlestar Galactica. The original one. The original, yeah. And actually, I think we mentioned this in the past. She was uh, recently, uh, not one of the main subjects, but one of the imposters on a recent episode of To Tell the Truth. Well, 2019, as, as recent as it gets, but... But yes, she was on an episode of To Tell the Truth as one of the imposters. If you're planning on looking for it, the Weird Al Yankovic, Rob Riggle, Jesse Williams, Sherry Shepard episode. Oh, so I want to say season three or season four. Well, 2019, so whenever. But one other name, not an actor, but playing himself in this episode is Ron Say. Yes! So, I talked about Steve Yeager in Hot Potato. Well, guess what? Ron Say was one of the co-MVPs of the 1981 World Series with Steve Yeager. But also, Mike, let's not forget the third MVP of that Dodgers 81 team in the World Series, Pedro Guerrero. (laughs) Never thought you'd get a Pedro Guerrero reference on this podcast. And why would there be? I never hey. thought we'd get a Ron Say reference on this podcast. No! Hey, Pedro Guerrero was in Rookie of the Year! Yep. Hey, Greg, how about we cover all the Dodgers in future installments, okay? We'll talk about Tommy Lasorda when he's on the Hollywood Connection. And actually, <laughs> this and actually this one is going to happen in about a month. We're going to talk about Steve Sachs. Steve Sachs! But, Mike. Yeah? Let's not forget, also in a month, we'll be talking about the manager of the world champion Houston Astros, Dusty Baker. There is one more name in this episode. Playing the role of Bill Ford, Julius Carey, a.k.a. Shown Up, the Shogun of Harlem from The Last Dragon. Oh, that's right, The Last Dragon. Barry Gordy's best work. I know everyone will say this album from Motown or anything Stevie Wonder did or Diana Ross. No, it was The Last Dragon. Everyone knows this. I was also on three episodes of the new Leave it to Beaver as either Don St. Don or Don St. John, depending on what the episode is. The new Leave it to Beaver on TBS. Oh, God. Hey, Greg, just taking a look here. Uh, I don't think we're going to be talking about any more 1981 Dodgers besides the names we've mentioned. Aw. Oh, good. Yeah, we'll talk Dusty Baker. We'll talk Steve Sachs. And you know what? We'll also talk about all those unsolved murders that Steve Sachs was involved in in New York City. I'm just upset we're not going to talk about Steve Garvey. Oh, Steve Garvey had to be in something. Oh, come on. Yeah, Steve Garvey had to have been. Wait, if Steve Garvey wasn't on Just Men, that is bullshit. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he was. I want to say he was. Well, well, no. um, I was hoping you're going to say Steve Garvey appearing on paternity court. Right after the very special Nick Cannon episode. No. <laughs> I will say, though, it is bullshit. Corby's not in the Hall of Fame. No, you make a very valid point there. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Quite. Oh, oh wait a second. Hold on. I pulled up Steve Garvey and I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
he has an IMDb. He was on Arliss. I know he's in one of the Sandlot movies. I know that. He was on Baywatch. Baywatch. Of course he was on Baywatch. Oh, he was himself in an episode of George Lopez. Just shoot me. Oh. He actually had a number of of appearances on different shows. Himself on Drexel's class. I think I remember that episode, actually. Yeah, I do, too. I watched Drexel's class a lot as a kid. I loved that show. That's a... Wait, hold on. Hold on. Okay, he was also on an episode of Fantasy Island as himself. But, Greg, I found a reason to pull the Blu-ray out for this. He was in the Gong Show movie. Yeah! He was in the Gong Show movie. Now I gotta watch that and find out where he is. Oh, my gosh. I've gotta go back and watch that. I hope he was dancing with Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. Oh, and also I will add, uh, it does not appear he was on Just Men. Oh. He was on A Week of Tattletales in 1975, though. Okay, okay, okay. We can work with this. Acceptable. All right. All right, all right. So that was the show. Uh, Nothing left to do except look at the schedule. It premiered as a one-hour special episode on Sunday, September 16th, right? Yeah, it was the two-part pilot. So it makes sense that it was an hour episode. Yeah, and it was up against two repeats of Hardcastle McCormick on ABC and Knight Rider on NBC. And it pulled double the audience. So CBS was looking at this and thinking to herself, you know what? We very may well have a hit. So it moved over to its regular night at 8 o'clock on Tuesdays. Oh boy. Things took a turn quickly. Because it wasn't up against reruns of shows that are pretty much... It was up against Three's Company on ABC and the A-Team on NBC. Just for a brief while. And also, we should add, it was the first half hour of those episodes. I'm actually looking at a schedule here. And Three's Company that week, and this point it's in reruns because uh, Three's Company ended in 84. So this may be like a repeat of the final episode. But yeah, it's the uh, first uh, half hour, the the 8 to 8.30 half hour. If I'm not mistaken, didn't they hold the last episode of Three's Company to air into Three's A Crowd? Potentially, and that's what it looks like in future weeks. Because I'm looking at uh, the schedule from September 25th. So this would have been the second episode. And it makes sense you saying Three's Company uh, saved its uh, finale till the end of the run. Not airing it uh, before summer reruns. Because that following week, ER at 8.30 goes up against Three's a Crowd. And... The second half hour of a two-hour A-team. Well, it's sort of you for ABC and CBS from 8 to 9 that night on Tuesdays. Because ER was after Aftermash. But then Three's a Crowd, what was on before that? Foul-ups, bleeps, and blunders with Don Rickles. 
the ABC Wish version of bloopers and practical jokes. Yeah, this is like NBC's night. Uh, a team for two hours, then Remington Steel, ABC follow-ups, leaps and blunders, threes a crowd, paper dolls, and Jesse. And uh, CBS, you had Aftermath and ER. Then you had a two-hour. I don't know if it's a movie or a miniseries. It says Mistral's Daughter Part Two. It doesn't say a movie, so that might have been like a miniseries or something. I'm guessing it was a miniseries. I'm busy <laughs> trying to see if Paper Dolls is actually on the list. Pretty sure it is. Pretty sure it is. And actually, that does make sense. Have a miniseries to start the fall season. Paper Dolls is 564. Okay. And then the next week, it's up against Three's a Crowd and more the A-Team. It didn't do any better, but it also didn't do any worse. Well, if you move a little further uh, in time... I'm looking at November 7th of 84 now. It's now on Wednesday nights. Doesn't get much better. So at this point, they're pretty much trying to uh, stop the bleeding, if I could use the parlance of my profession. Well, unfortunately, there's not enough stick to pencils to stop the bleeding because it's not much better. Now, in November of 1984, after MASH is gone... Now from 8 to 8.30 is Charles in Charge. First season, so that means Jamie Widows. Nice. But it's competition. The second half hour of The Fall Guy on ABC and the second half hour of Highway to Heaven. It just got worse. And it appears that was where it stayed for the rest of the run Because looking at late February of 85, Charles in Charge at 8, ER at 8.30, and is still going up against Fall Guy and Highway to Heaven. It wasn't a bad show. It just had bad luck wherever it went. I mean, admittedly, you know, Three's a Crowd was no big thing. But if it went up directly against the final Three's Company, yikes. And the thing of it is, wherever it went, it was very competitive. So it might have been one of those cases of CBS looking at the schedule and saying, we got to put such and such a so somewhere. What about Wednesdays at 8? We can get rid of Charles in Charge of the ER. Well, it did have a little bit of a life after CBS. Because I remember seeing it in reruns on Lifetime. Not that it had gotten a lot of mileage because it was just 22 shows, but still there was life after CBS. Yeah, and it wasn't like it was a bad show. It was a very well-written, well-produced show. Just had absolutely no luck against the schedule. And like you said, reruns aired on Lifetime, You're not going to believe this. From 1988 to 1992. They got a lot of mileage out of those reruns. Yeah, but that was the last that we've seen of E slash R. It was never released commercially on home video. It cannot be streamed. 
the only way you're going to see a couple of episodes at most is on YouTube. All right. So E slash R 1984. Well, before George Clooney was on the other ER, he was on this thing on TV. Oh, by the way, guys, this will not be the last time we'll talk about Ellie Gould on this podcast because there's a certain entry next year that we're going to be saving that also has Elliot Gould that came after this show that aired on CBS. And let's just say it's time because one of the actors from this show is going to be on a certain show on Disney Plus next year. Something about a god of mischief. Do you know where I'm going, Chico? I do know where you're going, Greg. Yes. Also, no time for love, Dr. Jones. Ah. Uh, get it? I get it. See, Chico saw where I'm going with that. I am picking up what you are putting down. And anywho, you can find this episode and all of our previous episodes, live watches, mini-sodes, and other such fun over at It Was a Thing on TV. And also, don't forget to follow us on all social media, including our new Hive social account at It Was a Thing on TV. Just go to the Apple App Store, download Hive Social, or you can go to hivesocial.app and download it there, and look for It Was a Thing on TV. We are right there. Is there an app on the Google Play Store for Hive yet, or no? It's still in beta, the Google. Oh, well. Sorry, Android users. You're just going to have to wait a bit. But we're working on it. And also, if you are on Facebook, it was a thing on TV podcast. We cannot stress that enough. And if you are on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you can stay up to date on all of our future entries, including the two we have for next week, which is our tradition of choosing a show that aired out of a Super Bowl and another show that, and now I'm quoting, is going to be around for a long time. A long time? Well, gee, I wonder who said it. Shadow... Can you tell us who said it? Now, wait a second. The actual quote is, it's going to be here for a very long time. Not it's going to be around for a very long time. Okay. Isn't that right, John Davidson? If you're watching us for the first time, maybe you don't know, this is our very first show. But we plan to be here for a very long time. Of course, who is that, Shadow? You're going to get so much mileage out of that clip in the next week or so, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. But before all of that, we have a couple of very special episodes. Uh, We have a mini-sode that (laughs) I think, Greg, you're going to have to try and solve the biggest mystery of all social media. Who's that guy in that commercial? 
Wait, John Davidson is a doctor who apparently goes by a pseudonym on the internet of Barry McCockner? Why the hell not? Why not? And also, we're kicking off the holidays with a very special live watch. That's right. Because what makes the season so magical, guys? The Hulkster. Brother. Brother. I hope at the end of the live show, he gives all the kids around the world gift cards to Pasta Mania. Well, we shall see all of that in the coming week or so, right here on It Was a Thing on TV. Thank you ever so much for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you for the next one. Rawr! Ah!